Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. How are you guys doing? God is good, man. God is good. I'm just driving here today, and I'm just like, God is good. It is so good to be here with you guys. Uh, if you're new here today and you don't know me, my name is Micah. I'm the assistant pastor here at the Cross Point Church. Uh, and if you're new, you're so welcome. Uh, we are so glad that you're here. You're among friends. Uh, today, uh, we are continuing our This Is Us mini-series. And so what is that about? Well, sometimes the Bible as you can see here, as Dave introed us, seems like it's a bunch of stories that we're not familiar with. Like, at a glance, these characters are people we can't relate with. But really, we believe that these are real people, just like us, who experienced real problems and the one real God. And I believe these are not just stories about likely legends and heroes, but these are the stories of us. And so today, I'm going to tell you a story about a person named Elijah, a real person just like us, who experienced experienced something that we all experience today, we all face today, which is despair. Despair. And so if you have your Bible or your device or your bulletin or you want to follow along on the screen behind me, we're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to start at verse 1. So that's 1 Kings Chapter 19, verse 1. And so before we start, I want to tell you about a little about Elijah's story thus far. Elijah had just showcased this power of the power of God on Mount Carmel and championed a contest between himself and the false prophets of Israeli Queen Jezebel. And so God, he sent down fire and burnt up Elijah's offering in a show of power. And so the people of Israel declared that the Lord was the one true God of Israel. And right after, Elijah gathers up all the false false prophets of Baal and Asherah, and he has them put to death by the sword. Wow, what a story, right? And so now we find ourselves after this story and in our passage in chapter 19, verse 1. And so let's read this together uh, from the Word. Now King Ahab told Queen Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And so Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came to a broom bush, and he sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate, and he drank, and then he lay down again. 
And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. And so he got up and he ate and he drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenants, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword And I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went and stood in the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put the prophets, your prophets, to death by the sword. And now I'm the only one left, and now they want to try to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Go back to the way, the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elijah son of Japheth from Abel Mahala to succeed you as prophet. And Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. And yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Can Can we pray at the hearing of God's word? Let's pray together. Lord, we love to be in your presence. And so today we are here for a God encounter. Meet with us today in our current circumstance, we pray. And as I preach your word, we invite your spirit to work in us. And we love you for it. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Isn't that awesome? What a story. I want to ask you, have you ever wanted to just give up? I hear some of you, you know what I mean. Have you ever just wanted to give up? Some of us have come to realize in life that life is just not always amazing. You know, we can relate to Elijah in this moment in his life. He's broken down and, and fearful and vulnerable in desperate search of something that faintly resembles certainty. And for Elijah, under that broom tree, he has this utterly honest moment with God. He admits to God that he feels like he's a failure, and he prays that he would just die. Have have you been there? Have you ever just wanted for it all to be over? You know, Elijah had faithfully served God and 
and defeated these idol prophets that would mislead God's chosen people. But he thought he would die a failure. And Jezebel meant to kill him for that faithfulness to God. But in that moment, Elijah, he felt, felt so small and insignificant and depressed. He was in deep, in the throes of despair. And so maybe like Elijah, God has invited you on a journey and he's chosen you to be you know, a good neighbor or a, a loving husband or a gracious coworker. And for all your faithfulness to that call, life could not be worse. The journey is too much for you. You're overcome by despair. And so like Elijah, the problem that most of us will experience in our lifetimes is, is we wonder if we are messing God's plan up. So when, you know, things don't appear to be going well, we, we take it very personal. We become deflated like Elijah, and we feel despair. And we start to question everything. Is it me? But Elijah, in his lowest moments, meets with God in his despair and says, and God says to him, you know, the journey is too much for you. And in the same way, God meets with us, how he reveals himself to us. So I want to ask you guys today, what would it look like if we were to encounter the living God in our despair? And there are three encounters that Elijah has with God in this story that we can have with God today, I believe it. The first encounter you will have with God in your despair is that he will revive you. He will revive you. God will not just send you on the journey. He will provide you with what you need. The passage says that all at once the angel touched Elijah and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head there was some bread baked over some hot coals and a jar of water. And he, he got up and he ate and drank and then he lied down again. And again, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. See, listen, God is not ignorant of our physical needs. He meets them. Did you know the, the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, A.B. Simpson, uh, wrote this in his um, book called The Gospel of Healing? Let's read this together in his quote. He says this about our nature. He says, man has a twofold nature. He is both material and spiritual being. And both natures have been equally affected by the fall. His body is exposed to disease. His soul is corrupted by sin. And we would therefore expect that any complete scheme of redemption would include both natures and provide for the restoration of his physical as well as the renovation of his spiritual life. Nor are we disappointed. The Redeemer appears among, among men with both hands stretched out to our misery and our need. Isn't that amazing? We are both spiritual and physical beings. And God cares for both. You know, Jesus himself hungered and thirsted. He needed sustenance for his physical body so he could accomplish his supernatural mission just like Elijah, Jesus would enter the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. 
and he ate nothing, but the Bible says at the end he was hungry. He was hungry. And in this wilderness, the devil decides to tempt Jesus. He says, command these stones to become bread. But we all know sometimes uh, we can recall what Jesus says. He says, man cannot live on bread alone. Isn't isn't that the truth? We can't live on bread bread alone. We are both spiritual and physical. But think about it for a second. We can't live without bread. We need bread to live. None of you are agreeing with that. (laughs) No one's hungry? (laughs) Let me ask you something. Have you ever been hangry? Yes, thank you. Uh, If some of you don't know what hanger is, it's this combination of hungry and angry. And uh, I believe the hanger is this epidemic that is ravaging the, the modern family unit. And it's this closely related combination of hunger and the resulting anger that can hurl even the most devoted disciple of Jesus into any number of sins. I mean, like, think about it. Have you ever been so hungry you don't think you're capable of being a good person anymore? No one's putting their hands up. It's okay. You don't have to admit to it, but let's just collectively agree sometimes we're there. You know, the only antidote to hanger sometimes is to avoid all human contact until you eat something and then give it a few minutes. I know families, you've been there. But this, this is my point, is we're both physical and spiritual beings. Shouldn't we feed and care for our bodies as well as our souls? Are we not created vessels filled and quickened by his spirit for holy, committed service? Like, think about it. Have you ever been so exhausted that your trust in God wanes? I've been there. And so, what do we do about this? What can we learn from Elijah's encounter with this angel of the Lord? Here's what I think we can learn from Elijah's first encounter with God. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is have a snack and take a nap. Maybe you do it twice, just like Elijah. Have a snack and take a nap, please. We are both spiritual and physical beings. Left unchecked, the one will sabotage from the other. So when we are in our despair, God wants to renew our strength. He wants to revive our physical selves. And, you know, the first problem in, in North America and in, in again, in Canada, is that we really don't have any needs that haven't been met sooner or later. And the second problem is that, you know, we sometimes separate or oftentimes separate our physical experience from our spiritual one. And when in reality, they are connected and God cares for both. It's hard to see that we need to care for our physical selves to enrich our spiritual life. I forget that sometimes. Do you? So how can we encounter God's ministry to our physical selves? Here, here's what I'm suggesting. Uh, just take it at face value. Perhaps you don't think you need it, but maybe God is waiting to meet you in some rest. Perhaps he's in that nap that you take long before you actually need it and you're exhausted and at the end of your rope. Maybe he's waiting for you in a better diet. 
I'm just going to leave that one there. I could use it, but maybe God is waiting for you in a better diet. Maybe he's waiting for you in something that just rejuvenates your body. I don't know how many times that going to the gym in the morning has just cleared my darkened mind and uplifted my heavy soul. Something that rejuvenates your body. Maybe he is waiting for you in the healing of your body. You have something going on today in your body, and he wants to revive you. Maybe he's waiting for you somewhere in a physical revival. Simply, you may be desperate, but God could be waiting for you in that. I don't know about you guys, but life seems a whole lot better when I've had a home-cooked meal and a nap. You know, the hunger pains are gone, my stomach's not screaming, and the world seems a whole lot less hostile. So what would it look like to encounter the living God in your despair? The journey is too much for you, and he wants to revive you. But like we said before, when God touches your body, he also wants to uplift your soul. And so that's why in the second encounter we can have with God in our despair is that he is going to pursue you. He wants to meet with you where you're at. Not from a safe distance. Twice the word of the Lord came to Elijah and asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied twice, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. This is my question. Think about it. Did the Lord have to ask Elijah what he was doing? Think about it. No. God, the creator of all universe, all things, is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, does not need to ask Elijah what he's doing. He knew what Elijah was doing. He was avoiding the realities of his life. But the Spirit of God comes to him, meets him where he's at, and listens to him as Elijah vents his worry, his anger, his frustration, his despair. You know, God calls Elijah out of the cave so he can reveal himself to Elijah in the most interesting way. You see, the wind blows and the earthquakes and the sky catches fire in God's presence. We've seen that. Yet here he comes in a whisper. Elijah, what are you doing here? In doing that, Elijah is so overcome, he covers his face with his cloak in the presence of God. Why do you think he does that? In part, I think it's because the Lord God Almighty, creator of all things, was listening and wanted to know how Elijah was doing. Isn't that amazing? God wants to know what you have to say in your despair. The creator of all things is listening to you. He's come to you, and he wants to hear you. You know, the best thing about this, I think, is that God is allowing Elijah the process, the act of verbalizing his emotion and bringing his true feelings to light. And right under that bush and and right in that cave, God is patient and kind and gentle. See, I think here God perfectly exemplifies empathy. 
The word of the Lord did not leave Elijah in his despair. He came to him. So look, look at this picture. There's this man standing in the mouth of a cave. And empathy enters the experience of the other. And enters the mouth of the cave and crawls down to the pit to look for you and find you and listen deeply to you, to sit beside you. In the same way, God is perfect empathy. He comes to you. He pursues you. God is such perfect empathy, so much so that Jesus left the right hand of the Father and entered the human experience in every way, and he came to us, and he changed everything, suffered and died for us, and now we can encounter him every day until he returns. He is pursuing you even in your despair. So what does this mean? What would it look like for us to encounter the living God in our despair? Perhaps the next time you are weeping alone in your room, you tell him how you're feeling. Maybe the next time you feel utterly alone, will you call him to just sit beside you? Or will you invite him into the pit of your despair when you don't know how you're going to make it through the night? What would it look like for us to encounter the living God in our despair? The journey is just too much for us. The journey is just too much for you. He will pursue you. He can handle your feelings. He can handle your harsh words. He can handle your misguided thinking. To him, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not his plan to leave us there. He pursues us to rescue us. And so that's why the third encounter we will have with God in our despair is that he will restore you. He will restore you. Isn't that awesome? God will not meet with you in your despair just to leave you there. He wants to restore you. Someone needs to hear that today. The Lord said to Elijah, get up, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elijah, son of Japheth, from Abel Mahalah to succeed you as prophet. And Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elijah will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. And yet I... Reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. You see, God puts Elijah back to his purpose. He's back in the game. And God reveals how he has gone before Elijah, setting things up, people to anoint, and what they will do, and the legacy that will happen beyond. But here's the thing. I just want to say today, that is God doesn't put you back in the game because you are qualified. But because he's created us and invited us on the journey. It's our purpose. Let me, let me show you what I mean. Uh, for those of you today, the chair you're sitting on may qualify as a bed. But let me tell you, as someone who's tried to sleep on a great many of chairs in hospitals and clinics and whatnot, it will never qualify as a bed. That's not its purpose. Only a bed can be a bed. Amen? 
No matter how qualified these comfy-looking chairs may be, you do not want to sleep on them. That's not what they're for. And in the same way, in the same logic, there is a great difference between your qualification and God's purpose for your life. They don't always correlate. What God has called you to, you may not be qualified for. The journey is too much for you. Your despair will not disqualify you. I hope someone hears that today. Maybe you've been feeling your attitude or your thoughts have disqualified you from God's purpose for your life. Your despair will not disqualify you. God created you for what he's called you to do. And your despair will only distract you from that truth. Your strength never qualified you in the first place. The journey is too much for you, and he will restore you. He will restore you today. You know, freedom from despair is an encounter with the one true living God who is qualified, amen? So what would it look like to encounter the living God in our despair? How can we let God restore us in our despair? And let me ask you, is there something he has called you to do that you have put on the shelf? Perhaps God has gone ahead of you and he's waiting to restore you in what he's created you for. Will you get up and continue on the journey? Maybe that's for you today. You know, there's this quote by a, a Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl, who wrote the book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, that has just been bouncing around in my head all week, and I just couldn't get it out, and I thought this was for us today. And he writes this. Life is not primarily a quest for pleasure, as Freud believed, or a quest for power, as Alfred Adler taught, but a quest for meaning. Later, he writes, we give our suffering meaning in how we respond to it. This is the big idea today. Let me ask you this today. What if the meaning of life for us today is not happiness? What if the meaning of life is a meeting? A meeting with the living God. Because God will meet you in your despair. God will meet you in your despair. That is the truth. Have you ever wanted to give up? Hear this truth today. God will meet you in your despair. And so now I'm going to invite the band up before we pray. And as we close, I'm going to get you guys to stand up. And as we close, we're going to read from Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. And so today, as we recite this together, and let it sink deep into your soul, into your mind, into your thoughts. And as you leave today, recite this to yourself. Recite this to your despair. You're not alone. Let's read this together. It'll be on the screen. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit 
and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's pray together. Father God, many here today are desperate and need to encounter you. They need to encounter you. Some have forgotten your presence and your touch in their lives. And so today we want to invite you into whatever we are going through. We want to encounter you. We want to meet with you. The journey is too much for us. We are sometimes in despair, but you will meet us there. That's who you are. You will revive us, you will pursue us, and you will restore us. We thank you for that. Thank you for your everlasting love and patience. We love you so much for it. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.